0: There are so many things that our church is involved in that we have our fingers in trying to make a difference in the community and I thank everyone that we have seen here this morning that has participated and does participate in all of these ministries that we do. Uh, I, and when Tina Lee was speaking, I, I was about to laugh as she was going along because I don't recall Tina coming to me to say what do you think of doing a, a, a ministry at?" Uh, a new bible study she came and said we're starting a bible study what do you think we need to do with it?" that's the way that we like to see things happen around here is that people find something they have a passion about and it gives that passion becomes contagious throughout the church as we go forward with that trying to do the best ministry that we know how. Mission Outreach has always been a hallmark of our church since this church was founded in a White House on Penn Street. It, had, it began with a Mission Outreach and it has been that way ever since. That's probably why our church has not only been involved in so many missions, but it's also why we have inspired some unique missions that happen within our world. For instance, our church is part of an ecumenical ministry called Hearts and Hammers. It's a ministry that builds ramps to make them accessible for people who are disabled. And it also does some repair work for people who, need their homes repaired but can't afford it. This ministry now includes Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterians and Episcopal churches. It's a ministry that was founded by our church and became successful and those churches got in touch with us to see if they could join in our program at first and then they started their own ministries as well. Another ministry that was founded by our church that you've already heard about was the Interfaith Food Pantry. What you probably don't know is exactly how that came to be. Our former youth minister, Gary Metcalf, noticed that there's a large number of people who were coming every month to the church asking for help for food. So Gary went to Dr. Ray Allen. He asked him what he thought about having a food pantry. Ray thought it was a great idea, but he also thought it would probably only be successful if other churches were involved in it. So Ray told him to contact the Methodists, the Presbyterians, I think it was the Lutheran Church, to see if they would join in that ministry. And about a month later, the interfaith food pantry started in the house right behind our church with those four churches being involved in it. It has grown to be far larger than that. A third mission that was inspired through our church was an international mission now called Seeds of Hope. Dr. Ray Allen had been invited to go with a group of Virginia Baptists on a mission trip to Eastern Europe. They had heard that hunger was rampant in the former communist nation of Bulgaria. And so Ray asked the Fidelis Sunday School class to collect packets of seeds that he could take over there that they could plant and and grow for food. The Fidelis class called that mission Seeds of Hope and they collected so many packets of seeds that were donated by people of the church that Ray couldn't take them with him. He had to ship them to Bulgaria. That one effort inspired a group of ministers to found an international ministry called Seeds of Hope that still exists until this day. One other interesting fact about that trip was that they were also going to the Czech Republic on that trip. The Czech Republic was considering having a a unified national church there. Dr. Allen and the Virginia Baptist leaders managed to get an appointment with the newly elected president of that republic. Ray and those ministers took a copy of the Constitution of Virginia with him and those ministers convinced the Czech president to include the freedom of religion in their constitution and their constitution is largely modeled after the Constitution of Virginia. The last story of inspiration that I want to highlight is our India mission because it's a very similar story to Seeds of Hope. Dr. Allen wrote a a short book back in the 1980s called How to Be a Christian Happy and Successful. Dr. Kunjuman Chako was the head of the India Baptist convention at that time and somebody gave him a copy of Ray's book. A few weeks later, Dr. Chaco got in touch with Ray and asked him about coming to India and speaking on his more progressive view of the Christian faith. Ray was flattered that he had asked, but Ray told him no because he thought we had more than enough missions that we were involved in at the time. If you have never met Dr. Chaco, he does not take the word no very well. And so he continued to get in touch with Ray over and over. He sent letters. He made phone calls. Ray finally agreed to go to KOTEM, India, and see exactly what they were doing and what they could be involved in. That one trip grew into 17 mission trips, four orphanages, a prison ministry. We've planted over 20 churches there, and we helped found the India Baptist Theological Seminary in KOTEM. The library of that seminary is now named after Ray and Ann Allen. And in my second year here, we raised enough money to build an entire wing of that seminary. That seminary now is the strongest Christian seminary in India and is one of the few that educates both male and female ministers from almost any Christian group in that country who wants to come and attend. One other ministry that we have been involved in over the years is Rise Against Hunger. We've packed meals for that program and our youth just finished packing some meals for that program about a month ago. One of the individuals that works with that program is a young woman named Sheila Rust and Sheila found her calling to missions right here in Blacksburg Baptist Church when she was a student at Virginia Tech. She sang in our university chorale. She went on several mission trips with us and she's had that deep calling to missions. When she graduated she went into secular work but she could never get away from that call to missions and so she had been applied and became an employee and a, and a hard worker with Rise Against Hunger which is one of the strongest hunger missions that you will find in our country. Missions is truly a hallmark of our church because serving is a hallmark of our church that's why we've invited Melanie Harrell to be our featured speaker today Melanie is the principal at Price's Fork Elementary School here in Blacksburg she has dedicated her life to working not just with children but she has a particular interest in at-risk children and is focused on them ever since I have known her. We are honored to have her with us today and we look forward to the message that she is going to bring us. Let's pray together as we get to this point of our service. Lord Jesus, we ask your blessings as we gather here. We ask your blessings upon all that we are doing. We ask your blessings upon Melanie as she comes to bring our message. We ask you, O Lord, to let your spirit be upon us as we gather here to help us to know that we are the ones that you are calling to serve that our hearts and our minds be open to that call that it might change us from the inside out and that we might be willing to become involved in making a difference in the world that we live in for it's in your name we offer our prayer amen
1: Good morning. Um, thank you all for having me here today. Um, I just want to say I'm really honored to be back here at the Church on Main. Um, this church holds a very special place in my heart. It was the reason my husband and I moved here 14 years ago. It's been a part. It's been a journey, um, a part of my journey of faith and calling. And I'm lucky to get to stand up here today and share about the work that I get to do. Um, And how this church plays a role in that work and I'm also later on going to take some time to challenge you about How you can get involved in God's kingdom work also? But I want to start by telling you a little bit about my story and my calling. I am a Kentucky native. I grew up in a small rural town in western Kentucky and I never thought I wanted to be a teacher There are no teachers in my family, and if I'm gonna be really honest, I wanted to do a job that made a little bit more income. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I was grateful, I am grateful, to a high school teacher of mine who saw something in me. And I was at that point um, in my high school career when everybody kept asking you, what are you gonna do when you grow up? And I just really did not know. I just knew I wanted to do something that made a lot of money. And she said, well, hey, you know, have you ever thought about elementary teacher? I think you'd be really good at it. And I kind of laughed it off, but out of respect to her, she said, hey, why don't you go shadow an elementary teacher for a day? So I went, um, sat in a classroom, worked with some students in a classroom that day, and I walked out of that school knowing what I was supposed to do. So... Moving a few years later, I graduated um, from the University of Kentucky with my elementary education degree, and as I was going through college during um, those summers, I spent my time working at a youth Christian camp called Passport. Um, This camp's pretty significant in my journey because it allowed me to meet my husband now of almost 16 years and to realize my next step in my teacher calling. During my um, second summer working at this camp, um, I got the privilege of working in a low-come housing development with a local YMCA, running a summer camp program for elementary students. I was in charge of leading youth groups each week to come work with those students through games and crafts. Um, And this experience was definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a young Caucasian girl working to build relationships with kids and families that did not look like me and did not come from my same middle class background. I was in a little over my head, but I showed up four days a week for eight weeks and was just available. I was lucky enough because um, I had a mentor, um, the director of that program named Susie who really showed me what it was to just love people where they are, to listen, to share Jesus' love through playing a game, through making a craft, and to just talk to families as they interacted with us. By the end of that summer, I knew what I was supposed to do. So I eventually graduated from UK and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. This move was because I knew I wanted to live in a big city. I was from a small rural town, so the big city life was for me. And I knew I wanted to serve in a low-income urban area from my time working that summer camp. My very first job was at a school with about 98% free and reduced lunch. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means 90% of our students were living below or near the poverty line. This job was hard, and again, I did not know what I was doing. But I knew God was with me and that I had a purpose. And my purpose was, again, to show up, be available, teach, love my students and their families, even on the hard, messy days. And there were a lot of hard, messy days. It was very difficult. There were a lot of bumps along the way and I kept seeking God and seeking guidance from colleagues and praying for the strength to keep showing up. I spent three years at that school and it grew me up in ways I didn't even realize. I saw the injustices within our education system and the poverty that surrounded families in a system that was very difficult to break out of. After that third year, I moved to Richmond because I got married to my husband, Greg, and he was finishing seminary there. I spent another two years teaching in Richmond City Schools, seeking out those high-need schools where a lot of teachers didn't wanna go. God had given me a gift, and I was gonna use it. At the end of that second year, Greg and I had been discerning um, what was next. He was graduating from Seminary and looking for jobs, and he was applying to a lot of places. He shared with me one afternoon that he'd applied to this church in Blacksburg, Virginia. First of all, I didn't even know where Blacksburg was because I'm not from Virginia. And second of all, he said it was in Southwest Virginia. And I was like, hmm, that that sounds a little rural to me. And um, he, he came and he met with Tommy and he got to meet some members in this church. And he came back and he was like, I think you need to come back with me. And I didn't wanna come because this was not where I felt like I was supposed to be. But once I got here and met the wonderful people in this church, I knew that God was calling us here too. So we transitioned here the summer of that year, but I could not let go of my calling to teach in an urban area. And this is not an urban area. So I ended up commuting daily to Roanoke to fulfill my passion of working in an urban setting and working at a high needs school. But in my own ignorance, I believed that there was no place like that here in Blacksburg or Montgomery County. And clearly, I was wrong. While working in Roanoke, I began um, my administrative and supervision degree and continued working for six more years there. During that first time, we had our first child, Oliver, who some of you um, remember <laughs> we, when he was born. Um, And I knew I didn't want to miss out on time with him. So I began applying for positions here in Montgomery County. Um, And I got my first um, assistant principal job working out at Auburn Elementary. That was a very different setting for me. It was unlike anything I had experienced in my 11 years prior to that. But I learned a lot about being an administrator and was figuring out how to be an educator in that type of environment. Greg, at that time, also had felt the call to begin pastoring his own congregation, and God called us to Fairlawn Baptist Church, um, where we are still, where Greg is still serving currently, and we had to say goodbye to this wonderful church. Um, During the time there, we had our second child, Davis, who is almost seven, um, and we were just sorting through life changes myself having a new job, Greg beginning his ministry as the lead pastor when a curveball came. I was asked to move to Price's Fork along with another principal to make some changes because they had some academic concerns and needed to add two administrators to that building. I didn't know anything about the school except that it was on the outskirts of Blacksburg. When I moved over to Price's Fork, I learned a little bit more about the community. It's about 60% um, of students who live, um, who are on free and reduced lunch, who live below or near the poverty line. It was a changing population and they were calling us over to begin shifting and making some change. I did not want to go. I was not happy about it. If you were friends or knew me at that time, I really, really struggled. I was struggling to change a school and academic warning, raise two young boys, support Greg in a new role, and do my job well, and work in a division that was unlike anything, again, that I had experienced. It was too much. My focus and my calling were scrambled a lot by my fear, by my insecurity, and by thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. But I'm standing here, um, almost six years later sharing with you that we serve a God that moves and carries us even in our fear, anxiety, and frustrations and when we really don't know what to do. We have done some great work at Price's Fork over the past six years, educating students, meeting the needs of our families, being advocates for those who don't have a voice. And I can't wait to see the work that we're gonna continue to keep accomplishing. But being an educator is a calling for me. It's my life's work, whether in the classroom, supporting students, supporting teachers, meeting with families, running the ins and outs of daily school life. My work and my faith intersect daily. God through every step has equipped me to do the work that I get to do, but I cannot do this work alone and it takes all of us. At Price's Fork, we have impoverished issues at our back door. We are a school serving 460 students ranging from 3 years old to 11-year-olds. We are a unique school serving a very diverse student body. We serve students from housing developments, brand new developments down Merrimack Road and Price's Fort to our Adams Mark and Oak Forest Trailer Park communities from McCoy and in between. We have a growing population of Latino students who are English language learners, mainly speaking Spanish in the home. We have a lot of challenges, challenges coming off COVID. um, It's affected us all differently, but it has really affected our students. When our students came back to us, they were isolated. They had lacked opportunities to socialize. And as a staff, we noticed these huge academic gaps. Our teachers have had a great privilege and a great growth opportunity to work towards helping our students catch up and to begin feel confident as, as people. But our biggest challenge is figuring out how to support the whole child. Children in all socioeconomic backgrounds have had trauma to some degree due to family dynamics. Some due to the ongoing effects post-COVID or ongoing stresses for those who live in poverty. Parents not having a lot of time to spend with their children because they're working two jobs or they have multiple people that they're caring for. And we found that most families want the best for their children, but they don't always have the resources or the time. I've spent a lot of my time working with local counseling agencies and my own school counselors to connect families to mental health support. I have somehow landed myself in the role of a parent coach providing ongoing support to parents because people are struggling. We are a staff learning how to support our students and families emotionally while trying to support their academic needs. But we, again, can't do it alone. This is why our community partners are so important. And those videos up here just like spoke to my heart because I'm like, wow, the amazing things that this church is a part of is it just makes my heart full because I see the needs every day and the fact that people here are partnering with us to meet those needs. It's like God's work at its best. See, children can't learn when they're hungry. They can't thrive when they're stressed about food or when it's cold and it was too expensive the night before to turn on their heat. Children can't learn when they're feeling self-conscious because their clothes and their shoes don't fit anymore because they've outgrown them. Or they've lost their jacket and it's really cold when they get on the bus or they're waiting at the bus stop. Food and other resources have been have been provided to us by our community partners, and it really goes a long way for our kids. We have a resource in a food closet in our school that helps teachers get snacks to feed students throughout the day and clothes when that weather's changing and none of their clothes seem to fit. Our NRVCS counseling partners fill bags of food from the food closet and take to some of our families in need. At Thanksgiving, we, supply, we work with community partners to supply food. At Christmas, we have sponsors who provide gifts for our students to relieve the burden from families. We bought heaters with donated gift cards to our families who cannot afford to heat their entire trailer, so they move everybody into the center of the trailer with mattresses and have heaters just to keep warm for the winter. St. Michael's Lutheran Church provides snack bags each Friday as you all have supported through Micah's backpack, clothes in the fall and the spring for students in need and daily snacks for our classrooms so, so teachers don't have to carry that burden. And the great thing that you got to see today is that we have tutors right here in this church who tutor our students in, our, in the Learning and Love trailer located in our Adam's Mark community. They are a huge asset to our students. Working with the majority of our English language learners population, a lot of their families can't help them because of that language barrier. And so our tutors are a fantastic resource for our students and those families. An example is earlier this year we had two of our students tragically lose a parent. And we were able to connect with Gina and Reed and wrap support around that family. Martha Ann will email or call me when there are concerns with specific students. And our tutors are able to give us insight um, on things that we would have never had the knowledge of knowing and how to better support because they're there working in our students' environment. As a school, we have been able to partner um, with this wonderful congregation to hold the back to school cookout at the trailer to help get kids registered for school. And we would not have been able to do that without their generosity of the space and helping us fund that cookout. And during those times, it's not just about registering students for school. I get to connect and my staff gets to connect with families in a way that we can't when they come into the schoolhouse doors. We are in their environment and they feel comfortable to share and talk to us and it continues to allow us the opportunity to build those relationships the rotary club um, built us a gaga pit and if you don't know what it is it's pretty cool Um, it's a game for large groups of children and this addition was very beneficial and intentional it was helping our students connect and socialize and move because this game doesn't take a lot of skill and we noticed that our students would go out to recess and they just didn't know what to do And this asset has been a unifying experience for our students so kids can come out and play and connect together. Kiwanis has supported our preschool program through books and snacks and other necessities along with helping deliver those Micah's Backpack snacks to our school each week. So we as staff at Price's Fork are so grateful for our community partners, especially our tutors who serve our students and families. And I could have never imagined that seven years ago, I would get to be here talking about how the members of this congregation who I worshipped and served alongside would be partnering with our families at a job that I get to do every day. And I say that I get to do because it is a privilege to get to do the work that we do. It's amazing to see how God has allowed those relationships to intersect with our daily work. And I would like to say to our learning and love partners, we are blessed by your generosity and willingness to keep showing up for our students. And we hope to continue that partnership in years to come. But what I know and servants in this room know is that serving has multiple layers. There are times when we need to jump in and help immediately. Someone needs food immediately or it's a maybe helping families connect because their electricity has been shut off and we need to help them with community resources. Sometimes it's providing individuals information on how to access resources, such as the Christmas store or social service benefits or the food pantry. It's walking with them to help build their capacity to improve their lives by providing that support. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of time, and a lot of do-overs. I've sat with broken mothers asking me to take their children into my home because they just can't get their feet on the ground. I've listened to parents share their cries because their child is struggling and they don't know where to go or what resources to access. Sometimes people just need to be heard and just showing up and listening is sometimes all they need, but they need people to show up and to listen. It's about building relationships. There are no one and dones here. This is all about walking with people, but it takes time. And as you walk with people, you begin to build that trust with them and then you know how to begin to help them. But I wanna challenge you today, not just with these stories, but I wanna challenge you with a few reminders from scripture and provide you with some questions to challenge yourself about what more could you be doing for the kingdom of God. Matthew twenty twenty-eight states, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this verse is coming off Jesus's challenges to his disciples, because they're arguing about who is going to be at the right and the left in Jesus's kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus was trying to get at with the brothers was that in his kingdom, it wasn't about status or being served. It was all about the privilege to serve, to be a servant of Christ. See, God's given us all gifts, unique talents, some of us knowledge influence, hospitality, the gift of listening, we all have something to offer. And service is one of the biggest honors we can do for our fellow neighbors. But see, if we're real honest, most of us would rather be served than to serve. A pastor once said we would rather feel special than ordinary, important than insignificant. And because sometimes we feel that way, we miss the opportunities to serve We miss that opportunity to bring peace and love, emotional, spiritual healing, because we are consumed with our own agendas instead of looking for ways to help others. It's a constant fight that we have to have with ourselves, including me. Because the world keeps telling me it's about me, it's about taking care of my needs, it's about my priorities. But see, we have a better story. We serve a God who proclaims that those who live in his kingdom that their focus will be on making people's lives better, that the people who belong to his kingdom will be known by the love that they show to others. We serve a God who sent Jesus Christ to serve us, and because we've received this grace, we are now empowered to serve in the same way that Christ served us, making people's lives better, not burdensome, not difficult. We're called to walk alongside them, just as Christ walked alongside us. I'm going to read another passage that's probably very familiar to you. It's from Matthew 25:35 through 40. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So what does it mean to love one another in this way? Jesus is calling us to care for our neighbor, the one across from us at work. The family who's struggling, the addict who can't break that addiction, the family who does not make good choices and is always on the verge of eviction, the hungry child or the difficult child who is struggling because their dad is spending time away incarcerated. Who is that neighbor for you? Where can your calling, your gifts, and the community and world's needs meet? Where do you have influence or access that others don't? Who can you advocate for that doesn't have a voice? We are the body of Christ. We are the very presence of Christ in this world. And we have so much opportunity to be the kingdom of God here on earth. But as I recently heard Andy Stanley say in a sermon, and it it got me, he said, most Christ followers just show up and consume. That's really hard, y'all. But it's also true we should be the church out in the world going beyond these sanctuary walls to love and serve the Lord by serving his people. The early church in Acts was a complete example of this by being the hands and feet of Christ. They did not exist for themselves, but for the benefit and betterment of all the community and the people in their neighborhood. Abundant life was to be shared and extended. And I'm going to say that again, abundant life was to be shared and extended. So let us not be just consumers anymore who show up on Sunday, get the word, and come back again and do it the next Sunday. Let us open our eyes, praying and asking God, where can I serve? Where can I be the love to my community? I wanna challenge you, you're needed more than ever before. We need more Christ followers stepping up to get involved locally than globally. There's too much at stake for us to just be consumers anymore. We got to be active participants in our faith. People who proclaim with our actions the good news of Christ. People who know that when we walk in a room, God is with them. And although we may not be certain what to do, because I have shown up many times, not certain what to do, that God is faithful and will walk through it with us because we are there. So, I know what you're thinking. That's great, Melly. that sounds really good. I'm just really busy. Oh, I get it, I am really busy too. See, it's not that you have the time, you have to make the time. In my position, it's not eight to five job, sometimes it's taking work home because that mom just needed me to listen and help her make some calls. Sometimes it's about putting that activity I really wanna do on the back burner because I need to support someone and be available. Being an active participant in our faith means there are times we are gonna sacrifice our energy, our time, our money, our resources. But if this means relieving the burdens of others, even if it's for a short moment or season, isn't that what it's all about? Bringing the grace and love that has been poured out from Christ in us and in turn sharing that with others is what we're called to do. So how do you get involved? This church, it is clear, is on a mission for God and I love it. I love seeing all the opportunities to serve. There are people here who do show up weekly in a tutoring trailer to hang out with youth, to hang out with students, hand out food at the food pantry, provide meals of hope, volunteer it to our house, and it goes on and on as you saw today. So I'm gonna ask again, how will you get involved? I'm gonna close with the two verses that Mike shared earlier from Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility, regard, others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So how will you get involved? Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the challenging word that pushes us all to look past ourselves and ask where and how you are calling us to serve your kingdom. Today and this week, I pray that you will reveal to us our own selfish desires, our fear, our anxiety, so we can hand those over to you and and begin living into this abundant life you have called us to. Help us to be people who work to relieve the burdens that our fellow brother and sister in Christ carry. Open our eyes to the needs around us and stir our hearts to be the hands and feet of Christ in this community, this state, and into this world. Amen.